Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for this guest. Tried to get him a few times, but he was just too busy in the summer representing Canada on the world tour. You'll recognize him from qualifying in Edmonton in three-star. He's a two-time provincial champion, and he played at Queen's University. And before that, he was a member of the Pac-Man Volleyball Club. So lots to get through, but uh, let's welcome to the show Will Hoey. Will, finally got you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, Josh. I appreciate it. Yeah, so let's, let's go over the summer. I think the most exciting thing I want to talk about was Edmonton. Uh, lots of Canadian teams there, but you were, I think, the only men's team and maybe the only team overall to survive the qualifier and get into the main draw. So I think people see an event and it's hosted on home soil and we're all excited. But um, with that excitement, was there any expectations or pressure when you get there and you get to the venue? Um, certainly a little bit of uh, expectation. Like Jake, Jake and I always always believe that we can we can win win our matches. Um, we had been on the road for a couple weeks at that point, um, and towards the end of the season, we, we felt we were we were playing good ball and we were we were building a good good style of game. Um, so ran into a to another Canadian team in the first round. Um, they kept it they kept it pretty close because we were playing kind of for the same for the same thing, um, but we we edged them out and then and then got to play a strong Polish side. Not sure how experienced. I don't think Blocker was was too experienced, but I, I got to see the defender when I played in Vegas last season, and and he's a he's a baller. Um, so we were we were excited to, to get that win, especially on home soil. Um, always always fun to, to play. It was funny playing at home in Edmonton because I can't really say that anyone calls that home from from Beach Volleyball Canada, but uh, it is what it is. Um. So just describe to me and our fans listening where. You, you win a qualifier, it's got to be like a fire me up moment. Yes, we made it. But then the job's not done, right? And it gets a little bit harder on day two. Um, I should have looked this up before the show, but you guys played Billy Allen and Stafford Slick, who were a tough American team who actually took a ninth at Worlds. Uh, who was the other team in your pool? And just describe the feeling of like, yes, we're in the main draw. This is awesome. But then you got to go right back to work and battle tougher teams even, right? Yeah, we had to... Uh, our, the, the other, our second match of the day was, was against one of the, the Japanese teams. can't remember the name, actually myself um, but yeah going in it was also my first time actually qualifying for an event um, so that was that was quite the the thrill moving into the into the main draw hotel instead of trying to find your own accommodations for the <laughs> night which I'd gotten pretty used to um, but uh, yeah getting to getting to play Stafford and Billy obviously um, Stafford brings a, a fair amount of juice and a good intensity to the game um, Billy's kind of your steady Eddie, all cool and collected in the back. Uh, so, so it was Jake and I took a, a few points to, to settle in, but we really challenged them. We felt towards the end of the sets, neither of them came out our way, but we, we felt we had a, a pretty decent showing um, for them, yeah. So fans of the show will obviously be familiar with the beach volleyball format, but one thing I'm always fascinated about is just the mood or or the feeling of, of getting off a plane and knowing you're either in the main draw or you're in the qualifier. So as you mentioned, this was the the first time you guys had qualified, but you have been to tournaments like the Miguel Pereira in Brazil where you guys know getting off the, off the flight, you're in the main draw, right? So does that change your mood or preparation for tournaments, whether you're in the qualifier or in the main draw? Absolutely. You uh, you go in with the with kind of that, that, that chip on your shoulder when you're when you're in the qualifier and, and it really, the best teams keep it in the main draw as well too. So, so you like to think that that nothing changes, but just the the pressure is there. That um, 
deep in the back of your mind somewhere, you know that this could all be for nothing, um, and you could you could not have a you could not have a good game and, and go home. But uh, it's up to you to to be willing to make it work and to want to be on fire and to want to win so bad that you uh, you get the job done. Now playing with Jake McNeil, he's got to be a high energy guy, you know, best friend of the show. I'm just wondering how you guys planned your season because there there were moments in your year where maybe you weren't getting the results you wanted, but there were also flashes that it was coming together. Like you had a tough uh, third place match at a world championship qualifier and you actually beat Mike and Aaron, which was a big win for you guys. Uh, then you kind of go up and down and maybe lose in a qualifier here or there, or you get into a main draw here or there. Uh, and then you actually win OVA Provincial. So you guys are like trending up and down as the season goes. Um, what advice would you give to a young athlete to kind of know to stay the course and that you can get better even when the results aren't there, right? Yeah, for for a young athlete just starting out is is you have to you have to just be willing to, to put yourself on the line. Um, if you go out there and you're you're scared to make mistakes and you're scared to, to lose and not get the job done, then the writing's on the wall. It's gonna it's the odds aren't in your favor. Um, but it's up to you to to really put yourself out there, be vulnerable, and be willing to to make a mistake. Because in volleyball, like how often you're never going to win matches twenty one nothing, twenty one nothing. So here or there, there will be something that you could have corrected. So it's it, it makes no sense to to be in your your head about mistakes that you've yet to make. You have to be willing to to play free and and let those let those happen. So obviously, like I said, trending in the right direction. You, you go to Edmonton, you qualify, you win provincials, which was very good provincials. I believe your semi was Simone and Ivan. Uh, and then you beat Mike and Aaron. Was that another like fire me up moment where you and Jake felt like you arrived and you're you're definitely getting better every time? Like was that kind of a maybe the peak of your season last year? Yeah, I'd uh, I'd say so. It was it was it's always nice to to Edmonton was on home soil, but but Beach Provincials was was certainly um, home soil. So it was it was nice to it was nice to come up on top. We. Uh, set a pretty good standard of, of play in the in our first matches and then both of those last semifinal and final went to three sets um, I think the semifinal finished 15-12 and I think the final finished 15-13 um, so it really was just about about pushing through we obviously we know those teams those teams really well um, so it was going to be more about who was able to make the in-game adjustments and Really, once again, will to win, will to will to finish, will to terminate. So, unfortunately, last season kind of ended in an injury, and we would have, you know, for selfish reasons, I would have hoped you would have been able to play in the league. But obviously, we're we're taking our time with that, and World Tour is going to be your focus, so we're not rushing back to play in the league. But um, you've also experienced some injuries at Queens. Um, how do you stay positive in those situations? Because as a high level athlete, like most of your schedule builds around being on the court and getting better and going to competitions, and then when that's taken away. Um, how do you deal with that uh, mentally, emotionally, physically on all those levels that uh, w when you can't be out there and feel like you're getting better? It's it's certainly tough. Um, had a, had a fair amount of practice at it, but it, it never gets easier. Um, I started with injuries at Queens in my first year, and and they went through all all my five years. Um, after five seasons, I I'd only finished playing. I'd only actually competed in twenty five matches. Whereas there's 18 matches in an OUA calendar season, um, so I was I was off the off the court for a long while, um, 
the biggest the biggest thing is that you really just have to take it day by day and do things do things every day that will get you ahead and move you forward. Um, it'll certainly see, seem like it's a it's a slow process, and you'll want to hit the fast forward button, but it's it's not the not the right way to do things. Um, you have to stay diligent in the in the weight room. Stay diligent with your restrictions. Stay diligent with your physio, um, and just know that that if you're willing to to put the work in, and it'll be a lot of work. That uh, that you'll come back stronger and you'll come back better. Yeah, I've just been fascinated with uh, not only being around practice but also watching a few practices. That even though you're restricted, it's still like a high intensity and a high focus in practice. So, um, how have you and your your partner Jake, but your coach Leonard, and also here with the national team, um, how do you build that into practice? Because obviously you you can't jump, you can't do certain things that our sport requires, but it still looks like you're getting your reps in. You're, you're still dialed in. Um, how tough is that mentally where you just know you can't do gameplay? And I think a lot of athletes like to show up and they want to play and they want to compete. Like that's the fun part of our sport. Um, how are you just dealing with knowing that every, every time you come to practice that you, you can't really do the, the fun energy uh, like alpha plays where you just got to pass balls and set balls? Like how are you dealing with the, the restrictions that we put on you? Uh, definitely just understanding that, that those are areas of my game that, that need improvement um, and that I, I can get better at. Certainly, uh, for most of my for most of my career, uh, it was more about just getting the pass up in the air and then figuring it out from there. So, so it, it looks like I should be in system a little bit more often this season. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with myself, <laughs> not having to hit high balls from the baseline, but hopefully I'll figure it out. But no, just just understanding that that there's still value in in working on things. Um, you can you can improve the the technical rep. Um, you can you can improve your your engagement in the rep, um, and then and then finish with your with your execution and, and continue to hold yourself to a high standard. That doesn't change at all, and uh, that's one thing that, that Jake and I have been fairly clear about is that is that we have we have big goals ahead of us, um, and and we have to we want to work to to, to accomplish them and. I won't, I'm not going to let um, an injury or something prevent me from doing the things that I can, can still continue to do. So just to circle back there, you mentioned you did go to Queens. Um, when you were coming through uh, the club system and the high school system, what kind of attracted you to go to Queens? Um, obviously, your Pac-Man team was very competitive. Uh, we'll name drop. I mean, Wayne Wilkins was, was your coach. Uh, Marcus Trent was on that team, came in like a bunch of guys. So obviously, you were getting ID because you guys were playing deep into tournaments. But uh, when you were in your recruiting process, what made you think that Queens was the spot for you? Yeah, we had a, we had, we had a great team. Um, I, was, I was with uh, Pac-Man in, in 17U, 18U. I played Orangeville Axe Elites actually in 16U is where, where I found volleyball. Nice. Or, um, they don't get enough shoutouts, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> they, don't, they definitely do not get enough shoutouts. Um, a lot of great players actually came through that club. Uh, myself, Marcus, and uh, Michaela Reeser, actually, I believe that's where she got, she got her start. Um, but uh, yeah, the Pac-Man team, we, we, were our, we were a fairly deep team um, because a lot of those guys on that squad had uh, Mississauga backgrounds. So they were also used to used to winning tournaments and, and being in those big matches, um, but certainly having Marcus on the left side with Cayman and Jordan McIntyre as well too. Uh, Shane Herbert was our right side. He played a, a couple years at Mac, um, 
Jeff Scott was a was a standout at Niagara when he when he went to uh, on to post secondary, and we were happy to have him back that year because he was he was deciding between volleyball and baseball, and he actually didn't join our team until uh, November December um, when he decided that that volleyball was going to be the choice for him. Um, but as for as for choosing to go to Queens, um, my choice my choice was between a, a couple of the universities in Ontario, and then I, I also considered Dalhousie and uh, Thompson Rivers. I think a big part of it for me was as I wanted to be close to home, um, but not too close. Um, and I really I really enjoyed just the uh, the atmosphere at Queens. Um, Stepping stepping foot onto onto campus for the first for the first time, it it, it even just kind of felt like I I belonged. Um, I really enjoyed that you could walk anywhere within 10, 15 minutes. If you were if you were any further than that, it was you might as well not go. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed, uh, to be honest, the meal plan. All you can drink chocolate milk. All you can eat food. As much as you want, the other schools weren't offering that, um, so that was that was certainly a standout. And then and then the program, um, they were coming off of the OUA championship, um, and the, the the team was the team was fairly young, with a couple older pieces, um, namely Jackson Dakin, uh, was was a fifth year, uh, who I actually spent a lot of time with, uh, and he was a good good. Uh, I wouldn't really say mentor to me, but he was he was someone I, I definitely looked up to and definitely still look up to now. Um, but yeah, Queens. I remember I remember looking back. I think it was 2014. I finally went through a filing cabinet and I found um, offers from from York and Mac and Guelph, and I hadn't even opened them. Hmm. I just I knew that that Queens was where where I wanted to go, and and that was that was going to be it for me. Yeah, so you, you entered at an interesting time where I think the the Yorn, Amoroso, uh, Fotley, Nico, like that era had finally cycled out, right? So um, obviously hard for you to say because you weren't there during their time, but do you feel any of that culture um, lasted for your era or was it kind of brand new because such the core all graduated at once, like Oneid and all those guys seemed to come in together and leave together, but they, they were competitive and, and very, very good for their whole careers. So did they leave anything as kind of a legacy to Queens or did it just cycle out and kind of end there? Uh, I feel like the biggest, the biggest thing that, that they kind of left for us was, um, traditions. Um, just how, how we did things. Um, we kind of not losing, losing such a veteran presence and not having such a veteran presence. As I mentioned, Jackson Deacon was a fifth year, but then the next most senior athletes were, uh, Phil Goyer and uh, Jacob Glantz, who were third years, so so the team the team was incredibly young, and uh, we kind of the the good thing about that was we kind of got to choose our own our own direction, and and really play how we wanted to play, um, but unfortunately it never never really worked out towards the end of the season. We always felt that we were one of the one of the top teams in the province, um, but. We, we, our quarterfinals never really went the way that we wanted. Um, but no, those, those guys definitely left a, left a, a pretty big, pretty big imprint on them, on us rather. Um, and then I'd say that even lasted kind of through, through my five years, like even 
when we left, we still had the same first warm-up song as, <laughs> as those guys put it in their fifth year, Will You Be There by Michael Jackson. Um, and it was kind of when, when, when it was my time to graduate and leave, um, I encouraged, encouraged the rookies and, uh, and the young leaders who were on the team. I think Zach Hutchinson and Dylan, um, Dylan Hunt, um, those, those characters in, uh, I think they would have been third, third, fourth year at that point, um, that, that it was up to them to create a new identity and it was up to them to decide what they wanted to be just like we got to do that as well too. Um, and obviously with uh, Gabe coming in and taking over the helm, uh, he's a great leader of men and Queens took home the ship last year, finally beating Mac. We hadn't done that in five, six years. And all of a sudden they beat him three times in one season. No, it's good to hear you say that with a smile on your face that you, you are a proud alumni. You still talk to the guys, you're still around the program that it's Absolutely. good that, uh, Queens kind of has a legacy there that there's still a connection, even though you've, you've been gone for a few years and may not know some of the first years now, but there's still, you still pay attention when they were in Toronto. I believe I saw you at the game. Like Absolutely. there's Queens is a good thing going. Yeah, totally. They, yeah, obviously a couple more shout outs. Um, beach guy, Mitch Newert making the switch from, from right side to middle blocker. Him and I had a couple conversations this year, about what that would look like, um, Lucas Kaufman is, is an absolute stud. Um, probably the fastest, fastest indoor player or player that I ever, I ever played with on, on my side of the court. That says a lot because I played with Liam Cobb as well. Um, and then uh, Zane is, Zane is an incredible setter. Um, it would have been great to have him, have him in our, in our gym as well too. We really would have up up the standard, the level. Um, and then obviously Zach, Zach coming in as kind of a, he was recruited, but I don't think anyone really knew who he was coming out of club. Um, so him coming in and, and really making a name for himself, he always did things the right way. Um, and similar to, to Joel Rudd as well, too, always uh, always had a really good style of, of playing the game. And, and I'm happy to see those guys really grow into themselves. So you mentioned the games played at Queens, and it, it might surprise people that you mentioned, like, I think you said you played 24 or 25, and it's an 18-game season. So must have been really tough. Uh, I remember in your third year, you went down with a pretty serious knee injury. Now... Looking back and talking to you before the show, it sounds like there there may have been some prevention that you could have done. So looking back, like what would you tell a younger athlete or even tell your younger self that when these injuries started piling up, like how important is injury prevention or just being aware of how your body feels and all the little things that go into it? Because uh, that one was a pretty gnarly one, right? Yeah. I uh, So my, my injury started fairly early um, in my first week at, at Queens. Um, we were... In a, in a practice, I think it was our last tryout or first practice of the year, and I took a ball off the head um, that, that <laughs> went pretty high, pretty far. Uh, I finished the practice because I didn't really realize what was what was up, um, but I realized that when I got home to my residence hall and I couldn't walk up the stairs, that something was wrong. Um, wow. So I actually I was diagnosed with a concussion at that point, and then was was shut down for, for a couple of months. And that was tough going to university in your first week, trying to make friends, trying to go to all your classes and, and whatnot. And then having a, a brain injury, I, it was, it was tough for me to, to mingle right away and to, to make friends, um, at that point. But then when, when I came back from injury, I obviously had to take a fair amount of time out of the weight room. Um, and then had a, uh, 
volleyball's funny because it's a non-contact sport, but as soon as there's contact, it's like <laughs> some, something's going wrong. Um, so funny enough, the same guy that, that gave me the concussion, I, I came down and landed on his foot doing, uh, doing a blocking drill. Um, Austin Payne, he's a good buddy of mine still, regardless of all the things he's put me through. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so my, knee, my knee dislocated. Thankfully, there was no, there was no ligament damage, um, but unfortunately, it was, a, it was a, loose, a loose kneecap that was now going to become a chronic thing. Um, so I had to wear a knee brace. Um, for the next two seasons and then coming into my third year um, I had a really good beach season the year before or the summer the summer leading up to it and was probably the strongest I'd ever been most athletic athletic that I had ever been um, and then I, I made the mistake of, of lifting weights um, heavy deadlifting right before a practice um, and I don't think I don't think I gave my body enough time to recover between the lift and the and the load. Um, but same kind of thing, like a little freak accident. I stepped on a, a teammate's foot, and the knee was just loose and and slipped out. Um, so that on that one, it was it was apparent that I would need surgery to to repair it if I was going to continue playing a sport where you'd have to jump up hundreds of times in a day. Um, but yeah, the, it, at that point, it, it just it had to be done. Um, I tried to come back later that season. I booked I booked the surgery for for April after the exams. Um, but I wanted to try and, and finish out that season because we had a we had a really good team. Um, but unfortunately, it, it wasn't in the cards for me. Um, actually, the knee dislocated one more time. Just I was throwing a football. And, and planted on my on my left leg and, and went to rotate and the my body rotated and the knee stayed so um, at that point at that point it was it was really apparent that I was going to need to to shut it down for for a recovery so with you experiencing these injuries and still being a high level athlete today like how much are you paying attention to your body like are, are you working with RSNC coaches to know like I, the buzzword right now is like load management right but obviously a guy who's overdone it in the past um, how aware of it are you with like your preparation, your your warm up, uh, how you cool down, like what you're doing in the weight room? Like, how much has this kind of changed over the course of your career that you're you're having to be aware of every little thing right now, right? Absolutely, um, and I think I think in all honesty, that's probably one of the most most important things as a high level athlete is is having body awareness, um, knowing what your body is telling you and and listening to it. Um, so I find that I'm. I'm extra mindful and, and have developed a really strong body awareness where I know if I'm putting myself in a, in a vulnerable position or if, uh, or if I can continue to push myself to a, to a higher threshold. But it, it comes down to, to being a professional athlete. Uh, it's been said before, but it's a, it's a 24 hour job. Um, consistently, like the decisions that you make throughout a day between um, meals, exercise, hanging out with friends, going out with friends, um, getting, taking care of like the, the little things like, um, stretching and doing your, your physio work, even though you might have the Saturday off and you might not have anything to do that day as far as training wise, but you still need to get your stretches in. You still need to get your, your physio work in. Um, certainly with, with my current injury, um, still have to have to take the time to 
to do what you, you need to do in that day to, to make you better for the next day. Um, and just continue to build on that day in and day out. Nice. Well, thank you for going into depth with that. I know it's uh, something we don't talk about very often, but it's good to see how you've managed it because having other athletes on the show, you know, injuries can really start to affect people, you know, even socially, right? Like you take away coming to the, the gym every day and being around like your social circle, it can really influence you that way too, right? So well, the hardest the hardest part as, a, as an athlete um, is your sport becomes a, at least in my case, and I feel I, I'm speaking for, for a majority of athletes with this, but your sport really becomes a big part of your identity. Um, and having that, having that taken away from you um, is, is always challenging, but it's up to you to decide if, if you want to let that um, end your career and understanding that, that as an athlete, you won't be an athlete for your entire life. Um, I think Jake's, Jake Gibb is still, still doing it at 44, 45. Um, so that's obviously what I, what I strive to strive. Actually, he's 41, isn't he? 41 or 42. He's up there. He's certainly somebody I, I look up to as far as longevity goes. And guys like Ricardo as well, too. Um, yeah, you, you're going you're gonna to have to give up the sport eventually. Um, when your body tells you it's time, but it's, it's up to you to decide when it's, when it's time. Um, and if you still have that passion, you still have that dream, then, then keep pushing it. Nice. So just looking back, even though you were committed indoor and committed to Queens, uh, you were always doing beach as well, whether it was with the national team program or team Ontario, uh, and, and fans of the show would recognize you, you represented Canada, U19 and U23. Um, but what, people may not remember is you were identified through a program called tall maples. So just let me know, how did you discover that? Uh, what was like the first session like, because the, this program was designed to get some bigs in the program, right? And obviously uh, you've graduated from the men's program and probably Sophie Vukovic would be the, the model of the tall maples program on the women's side. Um, when did you first hear about this and what was your first uh, memory of that program? So I, I first heard of it, I, I heard of it, but I, I didn't, react actually very quickly. Angie Shen actually identified me at 16U Provincials um, as an athlete that, that they would like to come out to, to the beach. Um, and I think, I think I responded to the email uh, a few days past the deadline for, for registering for that, for that summer. Um, so it, it just kind of slipped um, until my 18U year gave, became fairly closer with uh, uh, Jordan McIntyre who was on my club team. And uh, Wayne Wilkins always encouraged me to, to go out and, and play beach, really to, to try and develop more skill and more, more touch on the ball. Um, so in my 18U season, uh, I think it was in early January, reached out to, to Angie, who was with the provincial team at that point, um, still runs the provincial team now. Uh, so we reached out to her and, and she set up a practice. Uh, who I, think, I think it was myself, Eddie Coleman, and Angie Shen in that, in that first training. And I was bad. Um, <laughs> I never got too much too much uh, technical training. Um, being a middle blocker, I didn't have to receive in the backcourt. Um, I didn't have to dig in the backcourt. Um, setting, I didn't really have to touch the ball. I was really just there to, to block and power tip balls to the ground. Um, was really my style of playing the game. So I had to, I had to learn volleyball from, from scratch there. And I think I think I, I really appreciate Angie and Eddie giving me that opportunity, um, and the thing I think the thing I think that uh, really helped me stand out in that was that I learned quickly. 
and they would give me pointers and I would, I would introduce them and involve them in, in my, in my technique. Um, so actually fairly quickly, I think, so I started, I started those beach trainings in, in early January and it was all just past set, um, past set work, a little bit of headache, but not much. Um, my coach was either Angie, Eddie, uh, Simon Facto Boutin, Mike Plantenga, uh, were my first, were my first beach coaches actually. Um, so it's fun to play with them now as well too. We kind of kick back and remember on those. Um, but I remember, I think it was late February, um, Leonard Krapp, who was the uh, national team head coach at the time, um, is now my, my personal coach with, with, my, with uh, Jake and our team. And he's also the club president for Markham Revolution, who I coach for now. Um, he set up a meeting with, uh, with myself and my mom um, just to kind of gauge interest. And he kind of saw the same thing that Angie and Eddie saw as far as me picking up skills fairly quickly. And he told me in, in February, March, that he thought that I could uh, be in a position to represent Canada at U19 World Championships. And I thought he was a psychopath <laughs> because there's no way that I was going to be playing in a world championship in the next four or five months. Um, but time came for that, for that trial. I played with, uh, Matt Guidi out from, from, uh, side out at BC, who went on to have a pretty good, uh, university career at, at UBC. Um, met him two days before the tournament <laughs> and, uh, Gonna, I'm going to throw him under the bus a bit here, but but probably one of the funnier stories of my early career was I, I learned to play volleyball here at Downsview, and obviously being inside is a lot different than playing beach on the outdoors. So uh, so my first beach practice outdoors was two days before this World Championships trial, the week after Indoor Nationals had finished. Um, I just committed to Queens. But I hadn't touched a volleyball outside in the wind ever. And so we finished this practice and it went horribly, absolutely horribly. And we went and sat down with, uh, with the side out coach at the time, Kira. And uh, she asked, she was like, is there anything else that you guys want to work on before we call it, call it for the day? And he looks over and he's like, yeah, can we teach this guy how to set? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that's that." probably be good. <laughs> um, so actually I, I'd like to also thank Matt for that as well too, because now I think, I think I've, I've put a lot into my setting and I'd probably say that that's my best skill at this point. That's gotta be tough as an athlete because you're transferring to a new sport and there's people who show belief in you, but you're maybe not feeling too confident cause you're still getting it. And then, uh, yeah, your first experience with a new partner and he kind of rips into you, it, uh, kind of lets you know that, uh, even though your stock is rising, that uh, you weren't quite there yet. So yeah. that, that's a good story. Thanks yeah, for that, that one. So fill us in. When you get to U19, what is your first impression of like, wow, this is international volleyball and there's a lot of people taking this like very seriously and they're, they're invested? Uh, I think, I think one, one uh, big part was just seeing, seeing the size of the, other, of the other teams as well. Um, in, in Canada, there was there's a few guys my age that were uh, that were also played indoor and were also pretty big middle blockers like Luke Wood and Gabe Brook, who was also uh, my year as well. But I never seen guys who were that big with that much skill. Um, I think his name was uh, we had we had quite the we had quite the pool as well too. Uh, myself and, and Liam Kopp, we drew uh, 
the Polish team, uh, Kashmerik, and I can't remember who his partner is, but Kashmerik is now with the, with the national indoor team in Poland. Um, we had uh, Martin Ermakora and Lucas Stranger from Austria. Ermakora um, is obviously, I think he, he, uh, he had a great season this year coming off shoulder surgery. Um, won a couple medals at European Championships and then uh, three or four, sorry, I can't remember which one. Um, and then we, we dropped to the U.S. In, in three. But it was it was certainly, I think I had only played three beach tournaments before that, <laughs> um, which was fairly special. And I remember, I remember um, my mom telling me about certain conversations that our, our coaches were having in the stands because... We played the U.S. The U.S. coaches were sitting with the Canadian coaches and just kind of chatting, whatever. And and they couldn't believe that I had only been playing volleyball, beach volleyball, for six months. Um, so I found that I found that uh, to be encouraging that that I'd already come a, a fair a fair way, um, but certainly understood that I had a lot of a lot of work to do and and a lot of goals and dreams ahead of me. And it was really it was really actually that that tournament that I decided that I was going to be a beach player. Yeah, I was just going to ask like what finally clicked for you because you're you're working on your skills you're, you're dialed in and all these people keep telling you how good you could be but obviously as an 18 year old or a 19 year old kid you want to be good now and you want to start winning games right so i was 17 at the time 17 sorry so what kind of got you hooked was it the challenge was it the feeling that you were getting better like i know you played hockey growing up like what kind of got you to go all in on this beach volleyball stuff like why was this the sport for you i really i really enjoyed the challenge um but i also really enjoyed getting to getting to handle the ball like I said, as a middle blocker, um, an un, untrained middle blocker, I, I, I didn't get to touch the ball a lot. So I liked in beach that I was a lot more involved. Um, and I really, I, I tried out for the indoor provincial team and attended HPC the year before and, and got cut from that. Um, and not that I felt that I deserved the spot, but, but it certainly hurt. Um, and certainly wanted to be part of that program, part of that team. So I think also just, um, being accepted um, on the beach and getting nominated and recognized to go play in a world championships, I knew that I wasn't. I knew that I wasn't great yet, but but obviously having having Leonard in my corner and, and him believing in me, um, I knew I wanted to to continue down that path. Now, with your history, um, we can take credit that you went to a youth worlds and you cycled into the senior national team, where that doesn't always happen in Canada, but. Uh, Obviously, you've experienced it, but there's other countries like Australia, Germany, Russia, like Austria. It seems like Polish, uh, Poland, excuse me, that there's countries that when they send somebody to Youth Worlds, they usually end up on the map later on. Like they become a main draw player. Um, for you going through that, what do you think they're doing at Youth World Championships or what helped you to kind of know that you could play at the next level? Yeah, I think with, with some of the European sides, like I said, uh, Eschmerich from, from Poland, um, he's a dominant indoor player now. Um, and then guys like... A lot of the, a few of the guys who are now with the with the indoor national team, um, Stephen Marr and Vanda Denyanko, um, they they chose the the indoor route um, compared to the beach route early in um, I think after their 18U season they, they understood that that's the the way they wanted to go, um, but I think like it's, as far as being exposed to one of those tournaments, um, it either it either really resonates with you or or it, it doesn't as much. Um, like if, if being there and, and realizing like, this is amazing. Like, what do you mean? I can travel the world and 
see different beaches and go to all these beautiful, amazing places and get to compete um, and play and try and be the best. Um, that's those are really all the things that that hit home for me. Um, so I think it, it really stands to you as an individual. Either it's going to hit you hit you where it matters, or or it's not. But I think I think the FIV does a great job of 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 exposing the the younger generation to those. I just wish that that they would um, continue to hold U19 and U21 World Championships in the same year as well too, instead of comparing them back to back, because it gives it gives the youth. Um, especially outside of Europe, because the Europeans do a good job of, of holding those events annually and, and developing those athletes. Um, but certainly as far as uh, Canada, we don't, we don't have too many meaningful competitions. Um, so I think it, it, it was good for us to, to have that exposure and have that opportunity. Um, Try to describe this the best I can, where here with the Beach National Team, we have teams within teams, right? So it's kind of like one big team, but you can tell everybody's got their own focus and we're, we're going to meet at tournaments and it's not always rooting for each other, right? Because like, if you win, how am I going to win? Like there, there's certain divide there, but I find that you're one of the guys who walks the line well that you compete at a high level, but you also organize a football pool and we get to chirp each other and we get to compete that. Uh, and you also took a lead on an event that's going to be a fundraiser, right? So what do you enjoy about like that team within team thing where you can still be like, buddies off the court but battle when you're on the court like how do you walk the line of, of doing both I think uh, it comes from that's that's the one thing I was going through university and spending my summer in a beach training environment which is you and a partner and then going to back to school and having having 17 other guys in the locker room um, like that's that's all the, that's probably the thing I miss most about indoor is just that team environment um, so I'm thankful that we're still able to get that in, uh, in a training group, um, all certainly looking over and, and, and pushing each other to be better, um, holding each other to a high standard, um, and, and really just a, a sense of, a sense of community, um, and, and space and place. Like, uh, we all, we all hold this as as much as we, we probably don't enjoy training inside for most of the year, um, this is valuable valuable time for us that we uh, we spend so much time here. It's 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 developed relationships um, for all the athletes between coaches and, and peers and um, just staff in general. But uh, I think I think the biggest thing once again just has to has to be that community that we have here, regardless that. That at the end of the day, I want Jake and I to, to do better than any of the other teams here. Uh, and I'm willing to put the work in. Um, but at the same time, kind of like a, a high tide rises, raises all ships sort of thing. So I'm um, happy to have other players around here who can, who can play ball and who can push us and who can uh, um, really force us to, to get better and, and put us into tough situations where we, we need to come out and win. Nice. So tell me about this event. You, you've organized a fundraiser, which I think is a great idea because sometimes in the volleyball community, we all complain and nothing ever happens because nobody's doing anything about it, where it sounds like you've taken a big lead with the logistics and getting the word out. So um, how did the idea come to be and how did you start to execute it? Uh, the idea really came to be that I was um, just really wanted volleyballs. <laughs> Um, so, so just a little background. The event we're we're hosting an event, uh, Volleyball Canada, with partnership with our uh, sponsor Lululemon, um, at uh, the, the Queen Street Lululemon store in Toronto this this Friday, January 
24th. Um, yeah, it came to be that, that volleyballs cost 70 bucks at least a pop. And, and looking forward towards our season, I realized that, that I wanted to, to, to get more volleyballs. Um, and what is a way that I could do this? As an individual, it's kind of tough to, to put yourself out there and have a good response. But I figured that as a, as a group, um, the athletes would be able to, to actually make an impact um, and, and getting a, enough of us together. One, one to have, a, have, a, have an evening together um, and really grow that sense of community, but, but also to, to, to get something out of it. So thankfully, uh, I worked at Lululemon in end of 2017, beginning of 2018, and built a few connections there. Um, and then some of those connections ended up working out to the point where, where we're able to put on put on this event. Um, so I hope it I hope it gets a good draw. I hope it I hope it really um, spreads a little bit of awareness about about the game in Canada. Um, talking to peers and and friends outside of the game, outside of the sport, nobody realizes that Canada won a World Championships this year in beach volleyball. Um, massive win by by Sarah Pavin and Melissa Humana. Um, but, uh, no one, no one knows and no one, no one realizes it. No one acknowledges it. Um, they're all surprised and it's time for people to stop being surprised and to actually realize that, that beach volleyball players are around once more than once every four years. Awesome. So if people did want to register or if they can't attend and find a way to donate, uh, is the best way to reach out to you on Instagram or is there, there's a poster floating around social media, but I feel like you got to know one of the players to see it. Uh, where's the best place to get the info? So if you, if you're looking to, to sign up for the event, uh, you have to register before you attend, but the, the, the fee at the door is a $40 donation, um, in cash. Um, you, if you're looking for the event page to register, you can find it on my Instagram page at Bill Chuck Russ. Um, it should be up at the top in the header there if you're if you're looking to, to come out and enjoy an evening of of fun and uh, mingle around with some national team athletes. Awesome. Can't wait. Now, one thing that's unique about you is actually how many citizenships you hold where you're uh, German, American, and Canadian, right? So that, that American one comes in handy, especially as a beach volleyball athlete, where you can play on the AVP, right? So I noticed last year you were kind of dabbling and trying to get into it. Uh, is that a plan for this year to, to maybe go down and, and compete in some of those events as well? Definitely, definitely want to uh, to 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 play more AVPs. It's a it's a really fun tour. Um, it's a it's a great time. Uh, last year, I've only I've only been in the one, um, but I got a chance to play in the Hermosa, Hermosa Beach Open last year, and it was I think there was 109 teams in the qualifier. So that just that just shows you the the commitment to the to the love of the game. Um, my the thing I the thing I kind of as an American I think I can I can say this, <laughs> um, but my favorite thing about Americans and American players is really just how much they believe in themselves, and how much how much they're willing to 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 just go out there and compete and believe that they will at the end of the day come out on top. Um, so so matches are always are always tight. They're always intense. Um, it's it's obviously great getting to play in in LA, but I'm hoping I'm hoping this year to uh, to potentially get into uh, the the Austin AVP, the New York one, and, and Seattle, as well as potentially going back to to Hermosa and 
hopefully punching my way into the main draw this time. Now, where do you think that confidence comes from? Because when we had friend of the show, Garrett May on, and he talked about it, like, I asked him, I was like, you guys finished fourth at U19, and you get off the plane at U21, and you think you're going to win the tournament? He's like, yeah, no problem. Playing with Schachter? Like, are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to win the tournament. I was like, in my mind, like, I've almost outdone myself, or the math just doesn't make sense there, where he's just so confident. And you mentioned there's so many American players who do that. How do you think they have this, like, relentless belief that they just know they're going to get the job done? Even, they could lose five matches in a row and be like, that sixth match, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to win the next tournament. Like, how do they, how do they develop this mindset? I'm not sure, I'm not sure exactly where it comes from. Because I, I haven't, growing up in the Canadian system, we're all way too nice and uh, <laughs> don't really don't really have that that edge. But um, for the, for the on the American side, I think it's a lot of it comes into their belief system. Um, whether it's whether it's people who they surround themselves with, if it's like family, family and friends, or or um, like training partners, or or other players, or whatever their their so their network is. They're, I find they really excel at um, setting setting kind of a goal, um, speaking it into the universe, like saying that they're gonna they're gonna do it, they're gonna get it done, so they can be held accountable, um, and then and then just doing everything that they can to to really accomplish accomplish that dream. Obviously, everyone's different, um, but that seems to be the the biggest trend that that I've seen. Now, with you experiencing one last year, uh, if Canada were to ever get a, a pro tour, what are kind of the must-haves that you would say we should we should borrow or steal from the ABP? Like, what makes it such a, a fun tour to be around? I, I that's that's a tough one because part of part of the fun of it is is just the the history of it, um, like. Being at Hermosa and going to the the restaurants and diners close and seeing the photos of the wall on the wall of one beach court with thousands of beach chairs around it, no stands, no nothing, um, but just the legacy of of all the great players that that came before you. Um, I I think I think beach volleyball is uh, or volleyball in general, but but beach specifically, there's there's so many touches, there's so many contacts. That happened in such a short period of time is the reason why I find it to be the most the most exciting game. Um, but uh, as far as as far as what makes the AVP stand out, I'm not sure exactly what what we could try and steal because there's just such a bigger market than us. Yeah, that's fair. I was always surprised to hear that there's there's teams who train full time to compete on the AVP where. If you were to reverse that and say, "Oh, there's a team training full time to play OVAs," you think they're crazy. Like, yeah. there's, there's no way you they could financially work, make fast. that work, right? <laughs> Where, yeah, big market. There, there's players who have sponsors who don't play internationally. Like it's just, yeah, it shows the depth and and how big beach volleyball is in certain pockets of the U.S. where they can have these events and people can play for a living even though it's a domestic tour. Um, yeah, just just obviously around having having so many coastal cities. Uh, with with warm climates um, and even down in Texas, I know uh, um, Rochitz and uh, Peter Connolly are, are the two are the team out of out of Texas, um, and then and then most of the most of the players are down in either LA or in or in Florida somewhere, um, but just being able to play outside all year round and, and train all year round um, and have really a tour to aspire to. And to want to compete on, um, I think I think once they once 
athletes kind of make a name for themselves on the on the AVP. They 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 find their way to the FIVB, and I think that's what that's what really set the U.S. apart. Um, as far as guys like that's where that's where guys like Gibb learned how to play. That's where guys like Dalhauser learned how to play. Um, all the all the OGs of the of the American um, program all really really found their game on on that tour. Um, and the exposure and the meaningful matches is really what, what has always set the Americans apart. Now, I mentioned this earlier about uh, you being the commissioner of our football pool. Th- this might be a tough question to answer because we're actually recording this before uh, the, the conference finals matches happen. But uh, who's your pick for the Super Bowl right now? I think, I think Tennessee is going to overcome Kansas City. And I think that San Francisco will, will take Green Bay. Um, and then I think that... that Kyle Shanahan will lead the 49ers to a to a championship. Yeah, if anybody's got a defense who can finally slow down Derrick Henry, I feel like it's it's the Niners it's with that front uh, four. with the everyone of the first round pick, I think, right in their yeah. era. So yeah, pretty special. But yeah, I know you follow that a lot. You, yeah. You're one of the first people I've seen. I actually will watch, uh, go back and watch football games that aren't live. Where I, I, I like to watch sports live, and if it doesn't happen, I, I I see the score. But when you're kind of resting between practice and before lift, I'll see you and I'll be like. Like yesterday's game, you'll be trying to catch up on. So it's neat to see how how into it you get. I always I always wish that I got to play play competitive football. Um, I certainly running is not my favorite thing in the world, and I understand that's a big part of football. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't. I, I wouldn't say I had the, I have the body type to excel and succeed in a, at a high level. So um, I live vicariously through through those players. <laughs> um, and certainly enjoy watching watching the great iron. I think it's the most beautiful sport in the world. Um, people from all walks of life, from all different places, different body types, different styles. You can all you can all contribute to a to a winning successful team, and I think that's that's something special to be said about that. Awesome. So I'm just looking at the clock. We've taken a lot of your time, so open invitation to come back whenever you want. But I'm glad uh, after a little bit of chasing, we finally got you and. Uh, Hopefully you'll be healthy soon and fans can watch you on the world tour because that's, that's happening fast and wish you and Jake uh, all the best as we get after it this season. Much appreciated, Josh. Thanks again for having me. Right, thanks, buddy.